Hello and welcome to Publishers Weekly Insider. I'm Mark Rotella, Senior Editor at Publishers Weekly. Today we're going to take a look at the future of publishing according to several of 2018's PW Starwatch honorees who will discuss the big issues in today's book business and the changes they see coming. And to help put all of this into perspective is John Marr, PW's digital and news editor and the writer of the article, which can be read online or uh, in the magazine on January 7th. Hello, John. So glad you could join us. Hey, Mark. Good to be back. So first of all, let's just step out. Before we talk about the issues, uh, let's talk about Starwatch and who these honorees are. Sure. So um, every year we at PW host a PW Star Watch party, which is part of a long contest process we do, I guess, starting in the summer and moving into the fall. The party's typically in September, and its intention is to recognize rising stars in the publishing industry younger publishing professionals who are making a particular impact in the industry. And that goes across all kinds of, um, all of the parts of the industry. So you're talking booksellers, you're talking publicists, you're talking editors, you're talking folks that work at digital media companies related to publishing, designers, the whole kit and caboodle. Great. And so so you held this, I, I guess it was kind of a round table discussion of these editors, a handful of these editors or, or book publishing uh, professionals at Cafe Loop in the West Village, uh, the big literary hotspot for all of publishing, which had closed at one point, then opened just a couple weeks later. So tell us who they were and what was the discussion about? Sure. So we tried to get a, a decent spread of, of folks across different positions, different companies, uh, different size of company, different type of, of publishing work. Uh, and so we ended up with a, a pretty nice spread. Um, so uh, Mika Chu, who is the New Directions Press co-director of publicity, um, Melissa Edwards, who is a literary agent at Stonesong and founded her own consulting company, MLE Consulting. Emily Feinberg, who is an editor at Roaring Book Press, which is a Macmillan children's imprint. Uh, Akashic Books Director of Publicity and Social Media, Susanna Lawrence. Akashic is an indie based in Gowanus, I believe. Uh, Margot Schickmanter, who is an editor at Doubleday and a fellow Skidmore College class of 2012 graduate. Oh, wow. Daniela Wexler, who's an Atria Books editor. And Read It Forward Senior Editor, Abby Wright, who, who works at... It, it's a... Uh, I guess it's a, a digital vertical of Penguin Random House. Uh, and Serial Box co-founder and chief content officer, Julian Yap. Um, you will notice that one of the eight attendees was a man. Mm -hmm. We figured that fairly accurately reflected the publishing industry as a whole. So what were the topics of conversation? I, I imagine you touched on book sales, what books are selling, and I imagine politics might have been one of the uh, <laughs> as as we saw in our you know in our in our bestseller list one of the things that are just really pushing books and uh, making them sell perhaps the only thing that's making them sell right now you, you know I mean we did talk to an extent about what books are selling but we talked less about what books are selling and more about the process of publishing mm. and the way that the publishing landscape is changing uh, so I went in and I you know for for weeks in advance you know folks were asking me what are what are you going to ask you know and and I, I told them i am going to ask really basic very wide ranging questions and y'all are going to create 
the conversation. I, I didn't want really to go in with a with an intention of getting them to say anything because what's the point of asking them to answer what I want to know when what we really wanted to know was what they thought about publishing. So I went in with three basic questions. What does publishing look like now to you? What do you think publishing will look like in 20, 10 to 20 years? And what do you want publishing to look like in 10 to 20 years? And we didn't quite answer all of those questions, but again, it was kind of the point, was to, to, to range across topics. And we did. Um, you know, Discussing publishing today, two things reigned supreme in our conversation. One, obviously, was politics, uh, which was impossible to ignore, especially after our recent um, PW uh, Persons of the Year choice, which reflected as well the impossibility of ignoring politics in the book business, and also television, Mm. which um, has been sort of, I would call it an uneasy ally of publishing in addition to a fierce rival. And And I think we, the conversation that we had around both of those topics was was fairly punchy. In terms of politics, I think um, everyone pretty much had the same idea. Mm. Politics is dominant. Politics is is pushing the nonfiction list. Politics makes getting fiction books seen harder and harder and right. harder. But politics spurs book sales, and the higher-ups love that. Mm. How do you not? So there was sort of that conversation around politics and and I and we tried to veer away from that because at some point we're not really just discussing, you know, the the publishing topic du jour, we're talking about where publishing is going and we talked a lot about television which was impossible to ignore and which did prove even more divisive. Well, so how did that come in? How did television come into the uh, equation for book publishing? Is it the partnership that uh, they have? Is it the acquisitions by TV and movie companies? Well, a kind of a mix of it all, right? So so one of the things that we talked about was um, how people were looking for lighter fare in order to run away from politics. And then we started talking about how the television landscape was changing to reflect that. And we, you know, we talked about, is it really, you know, is a Handmaid's Tale, which is a book property adapted into a television show, Game of Thrones, which is a book property adapted into a television show. Uh, Both of these are very dark, but at the same time, in the children's side of things, especially people seem to be looking for lighter things to read. And we got into this sort of long conversation about what TV actually does for publishing. Mm. Does it help us? Does adapting our properties help the publishing industry? Can the publishing industry industry trust Hollywood to, you know, spur book sales, or is that not necessarily something that they can trust? Mm. And you know, in Julian Yap's case at at Serial Box, Serial Box's model is based on binging, similar to television binging, and seriality, similar to television, you know, serial television. And for our listeners, Serial Box is a relatively new digital publishing venture. Uh, they're trying to attract readers with serialized genre fiction. So, and so, as you were talking about the serialization, one of the things that Julian was saying was he's looking at publishing from a completely different perspective than traditional publishers. He's looking to attract people to publishing, to books, in the way that television companies attract people to TV shows. And I think, you know, he talked about how they have writer's rooms. They have they they operate more like a, te- a television studio, but they're working in publishing. Whereas one of the dynamics that sort of came out at the table was Julian was this sort of 
disruptive visionary type whereas Mika Chu working at New Directions uh was sort of like I don't I don't want I don't want any of that. Why are we talking about television? What does television have to do with books? We're talking about books. We're talking about publishing. New Directions doesn't hope for their books to get optioned. New Directions hopes for their authors to win the Nobel Prize. But- exactly. And New Directions is also a big publisher of books and translation too. So the different audience and you're right, prize winners. So Absolutely. And this is where it got to be a really interesting conversation because while this generation has a lot of things that they can agree on, you know, that that there needs to be more diversity in publishing, that lower level jobs in in publishing need to get better pay. Some of these things are are obvious things that we've talked about across the industry for a very long time. A lot of the other things they don't necessarily didn't necessarily disagree on, but they had very different perspectives coming in. And so when we were talking about television, which frankly beats the crap out of publishing in terms of people who engage with it per year. It, it it got to be a complicated conversation because some people said we should be working harder with um, Hollywood and the television industry. Some people were saying we should be avoiding that at all costs and focusing only on our stuff. Some people said it didn't matter. Some people said we should be looking directly at how they operate and trying to find a way to incorporate it. It really kind of ranged. And so that I found particularly interesting as a fellow young person in publishing because it's it's really it's fascinating to see how many people love and will die by their tried and true old models and others who are ready to try anything to make it different. So one of the things you do cover in here, I know this was part of the conversation that all of these young editors had, was the the, the idea of diversity in publishing. Yes. And I think this is something that is obvious to most publishers is extraordinarily important um, and is getting more and more and more important as uh, our national political rhetoric and our um, national rhetoric around around diversity outside of publishing uh, gets more and more important in the public sphere. So uh, we did talk a lot about diversity and, and one of the things that we talked about was simply that we that that publishing would be better off serving a more diverse market and in order to best to serve a bet a more diverse market needs to be more diverse in terms of the people working in publishing and a lot of that involves economic backgrounds you know it's it's tricky to attract people to publishing from a diversity of economic backgrounds if those people can't afford to work a low-paying job for a long period of time and hope to rise up the ranks. And this is something that, you know, I many of my peers in publishing have talked to me about at a variety of different times because I think it is it is absolutely a fundamentally difficult thing for this industry. And that's not necessarily just in publishing. It's an issue in media. It's an issue in a lot of those kind of industries. And so from there, we talked a lot about how to fix it. And not just how to fix it, but how to fix some of the issues that have been sort of perennial in publishing and what these folks hoped to see change. And again, we got a really fascinating sort of diversity of opinion here. Julian wanted he said he wanted publishers to pay more attention to serving people who read fewer than 12 books a year, um, that we have a really big attention to that market. 
and we should be paying more attention to the people who really make bestsellers, who are the folks who read the books that they hear about just because they hear about them in the news and not because they're necessarily looking for books. He also wants writers to have an easier time to just to afford to be able to just be writers and not be constantly... He says there's a lot... He, he sees a lot of mid-list writers who would be amazing at churning out two to three books a year, but can't find a way to get enough money from the publishers to do it. He would like to change that, and he thinks that his model is doing that. Mika, on the other hand, says she wants to keep a lot, a lot of things the same, which is, again, this sort of parallel between the two of them was fascinating to me at lunch. You know, she... she wants libraries to keep buying books, people to keep going to libraries, book criticism not to disappear, which it basically is, independent bookstores to not be pushed out by real estate, which is tricky. You know, these these are the kind of things that, that she was focusing on. From there, we got a lot of talk about diversity. Susanna and, and Margot both were talking about, you know... Susanna said she was looking for the continued diversification and democratization of the industry as a whole, and she thinks it's going to really change the way that publishing works, and that it ha- and that publishing has to change the way it works in order to to accommodate it. Margot said said very similarly, and I think that was a a big topic throughout the whole conversation, and I think it also is just simply an impossible topic to ignore. So while we tried not to have our conversation entirely about diversity because I wanted to hear all of their opinions about all the different parts of the of the um of the business, we kept getting brought back to that conversation because it has such an influence on what publishers do. You there's an interesting quote here uh you have in the piece that says books being cre- books being created almost exclusively by 25 to 40 year old white women means that we're creating books that we want to see in the world even if we're doing so with the best intentions we're missing people and getting things wrong. So that was Melissa Edwards the the agent and um she obviously has a very a, a, a different perspective from some of the publishers because she's looking at it as as an agent uh, representing authors. Uh, I would I would assume across right. a, a you know a, a number of different backgrounds, and I think looking at that quote, it's hard not to see why it makes total sense. Of course, a bunch of twenty five year old to forty year old white women are going to be putting together books that touch on what their experiences have them find as interesting or valid or vital or urgent or important. That isn't to say that people in publishing aren't constantly looking to broaden their horizons or effectively advocate for those who are, whose backgrounds and stories have not been fought for historically in this industry, but obviously it's going to be impossible for them to do so as effectively or as attentively as people who actually come from those backgrounds. Right. And so it, it it seems very clear, both to the people who were here and frankly to the journalist who is interviewing them, that the the broader goal of bringing more diversity into publishing is as much an economic goal as it is a a noble calling because it will spur more interest from diverse book markets um, than traditional publishing necessarily has. I think a really good analog for this is not in TV, but in, in movies. Mm. When Black Panther came out, for years, people were so worried about 
you know, about a, a, an all-black cast movie blowing up the box office. Well, then Black Panther came out, and it blew up the freaking box office. Wonder Woman's another good example of this. A female-led um, a female-led action movie that blew up the box office the year that it came out. The viewers want it, and the readers want it too. And the better suited the industry is to give it, that is the more diverse and the more aware and the more dedicated to those different diverse voices, given I'm a white man saying this, but I, I can't imagine that not being better. And clearly neither could the folks that I talked to. So was there anything that all of them did agree? You said there were a lot of uh, uh, disagreements or different thoughts that they agreed on that the publishing of tomorrow would look like. I'd say I'd say they all agreed that diversity was was what publishing of tomorrow should look like in terms of what it will look like. None of them are seers. (laughs) There was not a Cassandra at the table, but I think they all. I think they were all hopeful that that what they wanted to see was sort of some of the way that the industry was changing. But for deeper answers on that, you should read the piece. All right. So, listeners, uh, this piece will be up. Uh, You can read it online at publishersweekly.com. And uh, you could go out and find the magazine and read it on uh, January 7th. John, thanks so much for talking with us. My pleasure. And uh, we'll have you back on to to talk to see how this has changed perhaps in the next year. I would be happy to. We've been talking with John Marr, PW's digital and news editor, about the present, past, and, well, future of publishing. I'm Mark Rotella, senior editor at Publishers Weekly. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe to PW Insider on iTunes, and we'll see you next week.